Chapter Ten of The Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter Ten. The Room of the Trap Door. If you have hitherto concealed the sight, let it be tenable in your silence still, and whatsoever else doth hap to night, give it in understanding, but no tongue. Shakespeare. Capitola, meanwhile, in the care of the major, arrived at Hurricane Hall, much to the discomfiture of good Mrs. Condiment, who was quite unprepared to expect the new inmate, and when Major Warfield said, "'Mrs. Condiment, this is your young lady. Take her up to the best bedroom, where she can take off her bonnet and shawl.' The worthy dame, thinking secretly, "'The old fool has gone and married a young wife, sure enough, a mere chit of a child,' made a very deep curtsy and a very queer cough, and said, I am mortified, madam, at the fire not being made in the best bedroom. But then, I was not warned of your coming, madam. Madam, is the old woman crazed? This child is no madam. She is Miss Black, my ward, the daughter of a deceased friend, sharply exclaimed old Hurricane. Excuse me, miss, I did not know. I was unprepared to receive a young lady. Shall I attend you, Miss Black? said the old lady, in a mollified tone. If you please, said Capitola, who arose to follow her. Not expecting you, miss, I have no proper room prepared. Most of them are not furnished, and in some the chimneys are foul. Indeed, the only tolerable room I can put you in is the room with the trap door, if you would not object to it, said Mrs. Condiment. As with a candle in her hand, she preceded Capitola along the gloomy hall, and then opened a door that led into a narrow passage. A room with a trap door? That's a curious thing. But why should I object to it? I don't at all. I think I should rather like it, said Capitola. I will show it to you and tell you all about it, and then if you like it, well and good. If not, I shall have to put you in a room that leaks and has swallows' nests in the chimney, answered Mrs. Condiment, as she led the way along the narrow passages, and up and down dark back stairs, and through bare and deserted rooms, and along other passages, until she reached a remote chamber, opened the door, and invited her guest to enter. It was a large, shadowy room, through which the single candle shed such a faint, uncertain light that at first Capitola could see nothing but black masses looming through the darkness. But when Mrs. Condiment advanced and set the candle upon the chimney piece, and Capitola's sight accommodated itself to the scene, she saw that upon the right of the chimney piece stood a tall tester bedstead, curtained with very dark crimson serge. On the left hand, thick curtains of the same color draped the two windows. Between the windows, directly opposite the bed, stood a dark mahogany dressing bureau, with a large looking glass, a washstand in the left hand corner of the chimney piece, and a rocking chair and two plain chairs completed the furniture of this room, that I am particular in describing, as upon the simple accident of its arrangement depended, upon two occasions, the life and honor of its occupant. There was no carpet on the floor, with the exception of a large old turkey rug that was laid before the fireplace. Here, my dear, this room is perfectly dry and comfortable, and we always keep kindlings built up in the fireplace, ready to light in case a guest should come, said Mrs. Condiment, applying a match to the waste paper under the pine knots and logs that filled the chimney. Soon there arose a cheerful blaze that lighted up all the room, glowing on the crimson serge bed curtains and window curtains, and flashing upon the large looking glass between them. There, my dear, sit down and make yourself comfortable, said Mrs. Condiment, drawing up the rocking chair. Capitola threw herself into it, and looked around and around the room, and then into the face of the old lady, saying, "'But what about the trap-door? I see no trap-door.' 
"'Ah, yes, look,' said Mrs. Condiment, lifting up the rug and revealing a large drop, some four feet square, that was kept up in its place by a short iron bolt. "'Now, my dear, take care of yourself, for this bolt slides very easily, and if, while you happened to be walking across this place, you were to push the bolt back, the trap-door would drop, and you fall down, heaven knows where.' "'Is there a cellar under there?' inquired Capitola, gazing with interest upon the door. "'Lord knows, child, I don't. I did once make one of the nigger men let it down so I could look in it. But, Lord, child, I saw nothing but a great black deep vacuity, without bottom or sides. It put such a horror over me that I have never looked down there since, and never want to, I'm sure.' "'Ugh! For goodness' sake, what was the horrid thing made for?' ejaculated Capitola, gazing as if fascinated by the trap." The Lord only knows, my dear, for it was made long before ever the house came into the Major's family. But they do say, whispered Mrs. Condiment, mysteriously. Ah, uh, what do they say? asked Capitola eagerly, throwing off her bonnet and shawl, and settling herself to hear some thrilling explanation. Mrs. Condiment slowly replaced the rug, drew another chair to the side of the young girl, and said, They do say it was a trap for Indians. A trap for Indians? Yes, my dear. You must know that this room belongs to the oldest part of the house. It was all built as far back as the old French and Indian War, but this room belonged to the part that dates back to the first settlement of the country. Then I shall like it better than any room in the house, for I dote on old places with stories to them. Go on, please. Yes, my dear. Well, first of all, this place was a part of the grant of land given to the Lenores, and the first owner, old Henry Lenore, was said to be one of the grandest villains that ever was heard of. Well, you see, he lived out here in his hunting lodge, which is this part of the house. Oh, my! Then this very room was a part of the old pioneer hunter's lodge? Yes, my dear, and they do say that he had this place made as a trap for the Indians. You see, they say he was on terms of friendship with the Succapoos, a little tribe of Indians that was nearly wasted away, though among the few that was left there were several braves. Well, he wanted to buy a certain large tract of land from this tribe, and they were all willing to sell it except those half a dozen warriors, who wanted it for camping around. So what does this awful villain do but lay a snare for them? He makes a great feast in his lodge, and invites his red brothers to come to it, and they come. Then he proposes that they stand upon his blanket, and all swear eternal brotherhood, which he made the poor souls believe was the right way to do it. Then, when they all six stood close together as they could stand, with hands held up touching above their heads, all of a sudden the black villain sprung the bolt, the trap fell, and the six men went down, down, the Lord knows where. Oh, that is horrible, horrible, cried Capitola. But where do you think they fell to? I tell you, the Lord only knows. They say that it is a bottomless abyss, with no outlet but one crooked one, miles long, that reaches to the demon's punch-bowl. But if there is a bottom to that abyss, the bottom is strewn with human bones. Oh, horrible, most horrible, exclaimed Capitola. Perhaps you are afraid to sleep here by yourself. If so, there's the damp room. Oh, no, oh, no, I am not afraid. I have been in too much deadly peril from the living, ever to fear the dead. No, I like the room, with its strange legend. But tell me, did that human devil escape without punishment from the tribe of the murdered victims? Lord, child, how were they to know of what was done? There wasn't a man left to tell the tale. Besides, the tribe was now brought down to a few old men, women, and children. So when he showed a bill of sale for the land he wanted, signed by the six braves, their marks, and six blood-red arrows, there was none to contradict him. How was his villainy found out? 
Well, it was said he married, had a family, and prospered for a long while, but that the poor succopoos always suspected him, and bore a long grudge, and that when the sons of the murdered warriors grew up to be powerful braves, one night they set upon the house, and massacred the whole family, except the eldest son, a lad of ten, who escaped, and ran away, and gave the alarm to the blockhouse, where there were soldiers stationed. It is said that after killing and scalping father, mother, and children, the savages threw the dead bodies down that trap-door, and they had just set fire to the house, and were dancing their wild dance around it, when the soldiers arrived, and dispersed the party, and put out the fire. Oh, what bloody, bloody days! Yes, my dear, and, as I told you before, if that horrible pit has any bottom, that bottom is strewn with human skeletons. It is an awful thought. As I said, my dear, if you feel at all afraid, you can have another room. Afraid? What of? Those skeletons, supposing them to be there, cannot hurt me. I am not afraid of the dead. I only dread the living, and not them much, either, said Capitola. Well, my dear, you will want a waiting woman anyhow, and I think I will send Pitapat to wait on you. She can sleep on a pallet in your room, and be some company. And who is Pitapat, Mrs. Condiment? Pitapat? Lord, child, she is the youngest of the housemaids. I've called her Pitapat ever since she was a little one beginning to walk, when she used to steal away from her mother, Dorcas, the cook, and I would hear her little feet coming, Pitapat, Pitapat, up the dark stairs to my room. As it was often the only sound to be heard in the still house, I grew to call my little visitor Pitapat. Then let me have Pitapat by all means. I like company, especially company that I can send away when I choose. Very well, my dear, and now I think you'd better smooth your hair and come down with me to tea for it is full time, and the major, as you may know, is not the most patient of men. Capitola took a brush from her travelling-bag, hastily arranged her black ringlets, and announced herself ready. They left the room and traversed the same labyrinth of passages, stairs, empty rooms and halls back to the dining-room, where a comfortable fire burned, and a substantial supper was spread. Old Hurricane took Capitola's hand with a hearty grasp, and placed her in a chair at the side, and then took his own seat at the foot of the table. Mrs. Condiment sat at the head, and poured out the tea. Uncle, said Capitola, suddenly, what is under the trap-door in my room? What? Have they put you in that room? exclaimed the old man, hastily looking up. There was no other prepared, sir, said the housekeeper. Besides, I like it very well, uncle, said Capitola. Humph, 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 grunted the old man, only half satisfied. But, uncle— "'What is under the trap-door?' persisted Capitola. "'What's under it?' "'Oh, I don't know. An old cave that was once used as a dry cellar, until an underground stream broke through and made it too damp, so it is said. I never explored it.' "'But, uncle, what about the—' Here Mrs. Condiment stretched out her foot, and trod upon the toes of Capitola so sharply that it made her stop short, while she dexterously changed the conversation by asking the Major if he would not send Wool to Tip-Top in the morning for another bag of coffee.' Soon after supper was over, Capitola, saying that she was tired, bade her uncle good-night, and attended by her little black-maid Pitapat, whom Mrs. Condiment had called up for the purpose, retired to her distant chamber. There were already collected here three trunks, which the liberality of her uncle had filled. As soon as she had got in and locked the door, she detached one of the strongest straps from her largest trunk, and then turned up the rug, and secured the end of the strap to the ring in the trap-door. Then she withdrew the bolt, and holding on to one end of the strap, gently lowered the trap, and kneeling, gazed down into an awful black void, without boundaries, without sight, without sounds, except a deep, faint, subterranean roaring, as of water. 
"'Bring the light, Pitapat, and hold it over this place, "'and take care you don't fall in,' said Capitola. "'Come, as I've got a pit in my name, and you've got a pit in yours, "'we'll see if we can't make something of this third pit.' "'Deed, I's frayed, miss,' said the poor little darky. "'Afraid? Of what?' "'Ghoses. Nonsense. I'll agree to lay every ghost you see.' The little maid approached, candle in hand, but in such a gingerly sort of way, that Capitola seized the light from her hand, and, stooping, held it down as far as she could reach, and gazed once more into the abyss. But this only made the horrible darkness visible. No object caught or reflected a single ray of light. All was black, hollow, void, and silent, except the faint, deep, distant roaring as of subterraneous water. Capitola pushed the light as far down as she possibly could reach, and then, yielding to a strange fascination, dropped it into the abyss. It went down, 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 down into the darkness, until far below it glimmered out of sight. Then, with an awful shudder, Capitola pulled up and fastened the trap-door, laid down the rug, and said her prayers, and went to bed by the firelight, with little Pitapat sleeping on a pallet. The last thought of Cap before falling to sleep was— it is awful to go to bed over such a horrible mystery, but I will be a hero. End of chapter 10